All right, it's the Quarantine Chronicles. Basketball reasons. Bill Orm joined by Brett Dawson. Brett, how are you doing over there? I am. Uh, I am stir crazy. I have cabin fever. Whatever the cliche is for what happens when you stay in your apartment too long, I have it. Yeah, I mean it's obviously um, you know something that everyone around the country is experiencing, right? We're all we're all uh, staying home, hopefully, and um, doing our part to to fight the spread of um, coronavirus. Um, trying our best to. Still get some work done, and today that means another episode of the Forum Club. Um, uh, you know, trying to figure out what it is uh, that's going on with with the Los Angeles Lakers, what the future holds for the Los Angeles Lakers, and how to properly look back on these last sixty three games. And today, I think we're gonna do something cool, Brett. We're gonna take five of our favorite moments uh, from this season, discuss them uh, five each. So I've got five moments, you've got five moments. Um, hopefully, they're not super straightforward, super obvious, um, and we'll we'll bring a smile to some people's faces. Obviously missing basketball i want to get in brett to our i want to dive right into our our top five moments of the year but before i do that just any thoughts over the last week since we last spoke about kind of the state of things with the lakers and uh any 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 thoughts from your own social distancing that you would want to share any experiences well i I shared one of those uh on twitter the other day i had dinner with my friend matt um it did not feel at all like what dinner with a friend is supposed to feel like um we ordered tacos for carry out we he walked to my apartment uh, we walked to pick up the tacos at Kogi. Shouts to Kogi. Uh, Roy we Choi. came back. We came came back. Um, washed our hands. Ate standing up from six feet or so apart. Uh, washed our hands again. Uh, my friend left. I took out the trash and then washed my hands. Um, the whole walk that we took, which uh, Kogi's only about a half mile from me, uh, the whole walk up and back. You know, we talked and it was nice to socialize, but. Kept a pretty wide distance, as did most people who were out walking on the streets. I will say I do feel like, uh, in large part, L.A. is doing a good job with what it's supposed to be doing. At least that's been my experience uh, over here on the west side. People do seem to be maintaining some distance. Obviously, everything's closed, so there's not much people can do. But I think in the grand scheme of things, Bill, the thing that strikes me the most is like the Lakers played a game like nine days ago. And it, it feels like months. It feels like the whole world has changed in such a short period of time. Well, yeah. So you and I talked about this earlier as we kind of identify our favorite moments from the season. The season feels like 10 seasons ago. You know, things that happened in November, December feel um, like a different lifetime. And so um, having said that, Brett, um, you know, <laughs> I don't know if I have shower. I don't honestly couldn't tell you the last day I showered. I think it was probably Tuesday. I don't remember the last time I brushed my teeth. Like I'm, I'm a little concerned about dying from the inside uh, during this during 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 this time, just from a lack of I don't know expo- exposure to, to normalcy. But um, it, it'll be interesting to see where we where we stand next week and 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 each 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 week from there. Um, but it's crazy. Right? You and I, by the way, you and I work from home a lot. Right. It's part of what we do. But you know what you realize when you're somebody who works you know part time from home because a lot of times what we're doing is writing at. At Staples, I don't typically hang out and write at the practice facility. I come home or I go to a coffee shop. Obviously, that's been taken away. But you you forget we have a pretty unstructured life. And yet, like, you realize when this happens how structured our lives really are. There are practices. There are shoot-arounds. And most notably, there are games. And there are places that we have to be. And now we've gotten knocked down to zero places that we ever have to be. It is really weird. It's a strange experience, even for somebody who spends a lot of time writing at his kitchen table. Yeah, and certainly, obviously, a small sacrifice, um, you know, it, for the greater good. Don't want to minimize kind of, you know. Oh, no, the, for, the, the, for sure. For sure. But I, I just think a lot of people are adjusting to this for the first time. And oh, yeah. even if you're not, this is weird. I mean, this is dramatic. I have friends who 
have never worked from home and are having to do it for the first time. And it's a real jarring thing. But even if you've been doing this, this is so different than what we've done in the past. I, I agree. Um, okay, so let's let's dive into our lists because I think that we could spend a lot of time on this and we don't want this to turn into a nine-hour podcast. But then again, I mean, we have time. Um, uh, do you want to go five through one, Brett? Does that work for sure, you? Sure, yeah. Okay. Yeah, that works for me. And I, I, before we start, I do want to say mine are sort of specific to my own experience. So some of the best Laker games this year have been games on the road that you covered and I didn't. So like the game at Dallas, I didn't put it on my list I didn't put the win at Denver right before the All-Star break. None of that stuff went on my list for those reasons. Just, um, you know, um, it wasn't something that I kind of uh, experienced or went through or, or saw firsthand. Well, and I do want to say, I mean, like, I mean, there's a lot of stuff this season that's probably not going to come up on these lists because, I mean, this is the year, you know, I don't want to give away anything that was on the list, but, I mean, this is a year where, you know, the Lakers get Anthony Davis. You know, we have, you know, an all-time great, you know, one-two punch in, in, in LeBron James and Anthony Davis. Um, you've got Alex Caruso becoming kind of this this memeable, you know, favorite. Um, you, the return of Dwight Howard, which I suspect we're going to hear a little bit about. Um, you know, Anthony Davis, you know, we thought maybe had a season-ending butt injury for 10 minutes. Like, there's been a lot to pack into this year. So I'm going to be curious to see your five. Um, mine also, I you know, without any real rules, there's some on court, some off court, some game stuff, some things that fans saw, some things fans didn't see. So I'm curious to see what you got. Hit me with number five. So for me, uh, at number five, I, I have a, uh, and this will be true of a lot of mine. There, there are spe- it's a specific moment that's emblematic of a bigger thing. So for me, it's uh, the Lakers playing at home game against the Minnesota Timberwolves, and Lizzo twerking right there <laughs> in front of the Lakers bench. Uh, and the reason I wanted to put that on my list is just it, it feels emblematic for me of my first year in Los Angeles. You know, the first game I did here, Rihanna was in the front row. You see Denzel Washington. Uh, you see any it, 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 all all manner of celebrities. Lizzo was just the most visible um, when she's twerking right over by the Lakers bench, and she's uh, uh, on the video on the scoreboard doing it, and the crowd's getting really into it and that sort of thing. It it, it was a real sort of like all of those, but that one in particular was kind of a welcome to LA moment. And for somebody who's in his first season uh, here, living in the city and covering this team. Um, that stuff was fun. It's just so different from anything else you ever see. And I know for a lot of people who are around the Lakers a lot, and even people who go to games a lot, um, that's old hat by now. Um, but for me, little moments like that, uh, the, way, the way Denzel Washington comes over to the media seats to say hello to Brad Turner from the LA Times still kind of blows me away every time. Um, and that that's just like a cool experience as somebody who's covered the league in places very different from this. But I mean, yeah. But wasn't Lizzo in assless pants? Like was she it? was, she okay. was. Yes, she had a thong, and then like kind of a uh, um, yes. Okay. I mean, the, the, now you've got me thinking what the best celebrity moment for me was this year because I don't didn't have one on my list. Um, but I'd have to say it was that game against uh, who are they? The Cavaliers, I think. When Kim and Kanye were in the press room at halftime. Just the press room, like only a, only home game I've missed. So there's actually. there's there's this media dining room, and then there's like a media workroom off the side of it where you know I've seen some celebrities in there because it's like one of the only bathrooms on the on the concourse level or the the event level um, on that end of the building. But uh, you know I, I've seen Rihanna coming out of the bathroom. I've seen I bumped into Spike Lee coming out of the bathroom once, not this year, but this was the first time I've ever seen like two celebrities, Kim and Kanye just sitting at one of the tables at halftime for the entirety of halftime. It was, it was very peculiar. So I, I think I've mentioned on the podcast that I did stand next to David Beckham in that bathroom line 
uh, at halftime of one of my one of my first games. Okay, that that is a very LA experience as well. Um, it's hard it's hard to know how to rank these to be honest. Um, I'm gonna go with a moment in the Lakers locker room a couple of months ago. Number five for me. Uh, the Lakers always music is this huge theme in the Lakers locker room. Um, you know, there's been um, moments where LeBron James is playing music on his Beats pill and. And Dwight tries to turn up his own music, and they end up in a little bit of a battle of music. DeMarcus Cousins like was the DJ for a while. The Lakers travel with this ginormous uh, uh, speaker that like they would blast to drown out media during pregame access. Um, yeah, guys, we knew what you were doing. Um, and then, but there was this one moment music. Oh, there was a time where where LeBron got like the whole locker room pregame kind of like singing along to Usher. But the moment that like I will forever remember is is Dwight Howard going and plugging his iPhone in and hitting play. And all of a sudden you hear like some like cover of shout, like shout and Dwight. And I hear Dwight explaining to Troy Daniels that it is him singing on a children's album that he recorded in 2009 when he played for the Orlando magic. It was was, like Dwight Howard has been such an enjoyable, um, enjoyable, um, presence this season um the, the, at least the, the 63 games that we had of the season or have had of the season um and that to me was maybe i mean there have been so many moments i wrote a huge story about dwight but like there have been so many moments of, about dwight that um have brought a smile to my face but probably none more so than that well yeah one of them for me uh is on my list so i'll just go ahead and jump to it um but the the dwight's long discussion about his snakes oh, being a snake landlord yes. and like ca- calling the snakes uh the snakes domicile an apartment complex and that he was the landlord and it was a snake apartment what, are, snake what were snakes apartment. names she hulk was one of them yes. like the, the 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 literal moment for me uh this dwight moment was dwight explaining that one of his snakes is named she hulk and he said you know like the girl version of hulk um <laughs> Who is an actual Marvel Comics character? Uh, television show coming next year to uh, Disney Plus, I believe. Um, but yeah, it's great. It, it, that that was great. Dwight has, and, and that to me too, it sums up a lot of Dwight moments in the locker room. Um, he has some some habits and rituals that are funny. Um, at one point, a uh, group of us were standing around discussing. I, I believe Shea Gilgis Alexander had set the record for points in a game by a Canadian against the Raptors. And Dwight overheard us talking about that and began to sing the national anthem, the Canadian national anthem, and declared it, quote, one of my favorite anthems to sing, which I love. <laughs> uh, okay, missed that one. I don't even know where I would have been for that. I don't know. That was a home game. I don't know if you were in the locker room at the time. Um, but I do want to know, I, the thing I didn't get a chance to ask Dwight is like outside of Canada and the American what other anthems, anthems does he know? Is yeah, are there others that are that are among his least favorite ones to sing? You know, it's interesting. It's like Dwight will surprise you with with things like that, though. I mean, particularly like, you know, I remember in Miami post game, we were standing around talking to him about um, like Eastern religions, and he was talking about like all these like you know these 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 Hindu figures and explaining you know he it was it was just it, it, like he had a depth of knowledge. That was um, impressive, and so I wouldn't put it past Dwight Howard to be like, you know, I played with, you know, such and such international player, and I learned the Serbian national anthem. That's a son of a bitch to sing. Like that wouldn't surprise me if from Dwight Howard. Um, I'm also realizing looking at my list, like how many of these things, like actually, 
involve Dwight. Um, so number four for me, I'm going to go with, you mentioned the Dallas game. And I think the easy answer here would be uh, Danny Green's three-pointer from the corner to send that game to overtime. And think about where we were in the season. That was pretty early on. Um, the Lakers had been on a roll, but we still weren't sure how good they were. And that game really kind of kept their momentum going. They won it in overtime. And the critical play, or the critical element of that play was Dwight Howard's illegal screen on Seth Curry to free Wildly up Danny, illegal. to free up Danny Green in the corner. And listen, I missed it live in in, in real time. So in the story I wrote, I wrote like Dwight Howard's game tying screen, and I got just absolutely crushed in the comments by Mavs fans. You know, Homer Lakers writer, you know, all things that you know. It's just no, I just didn't. I didn't recognize the screen as illegal as it as it was, and I didn't watch the replay carefully enough. Um, and it was, but it remains this just phenomenal moment where Dwight Howard, like two weeks into this reclamation season, gets in, gets told by Frank Vogel to set a screen, and he set a monster and just like moves, and it was just, it was it was a thing of beauty um, that it's that it didn't get called. Obviously, the last two minute report uh, made it very clear that it was an illegal screen, and and uh, the result was the Lakers, you know, had it scored a really early, uh, a really big early season win. Danny Green obviously had to make the shot, um, so shout out to Danny Green. But the the, the memory of that to me is um, is Dwight Howard just absolutely trucking Seth Curry. Um, that was. Uh, one of my favorite on-court moments this year. That one is great. If I had been at that game, I would have put it on my list 100%. It's one, It's the first game that comes to mind still when I think about the season. I think the Lakers have had better wins. Um, but that was the first one to me where you sort of thought, okay, these guys are good. That's a game that you lose. Yeah. You know, like, like the Mavericks sort of announced their arrival, I think, as a real uh, – uh, consider to make the playoffs. They were not favored to make the playoffs necessarily at the start of the season. And I think that game sort of showed us what they were. Yeah. And a game like that usually is the game that the road team loses. Um, and, and to me, that that game said a lot about who the Lakers were um, very early in the season. Yeah, and just on the theme of big, big wins, I mean, maybe you're going to get to this, but, you know, the weekend the Lakers had before the season was suspended, obviously with the wins over yeah. Clippers and the Bucks. I am going to get to that. Okay, well, I'll leave it alone because it's, it wasn't on my list because I wasn't sure how to make it a moment. But, I mean, obviously, you, you know, certainly bigger wins probably by the Lakers. So why don't you go ahead with your with your list and I'll stop I'll stop uh, stealing your thunder. So No, you're fine. See, that's um, a joke because you used to cover the thunder. I know, and I, if, if only my next one was about the Thunder game where uh, Kyle Kuzma had the great game and Rajon Rondo and no, Rajon Rondo and nobody else was playing. Oh, well, that's um, funny I, because I, I, because uh, trainee producer Andrew Schlecht just uh, brought it up. Men- yeah, mentioned that's, that. That's interesting. I know, I know. Also, I just said Rajon Rondo. I I always do that. I cannot break this habit. I have I met him when we were both much younger than this, and I still have a habit of saying Rajon instead of Rajon. I don't know what's wrong with me. I mean, do we have a definitive like pronunciation? Yes, I to Rondo because like it, everyone's it's Rajon. I was I was corrected by uh, Lakers personnel uh, after saying it the wrong way once. That is I insane apologized. because every everyone says it says it the wrong way. <laughs> I like, know. I apologize to Rajon, and that is what he said. Actually, I don't. It doesn't bother me. Everybody says it, Rajon. Okay. Well, that's, I guess that's good to know if I ever cover him that's, again. <laughs> that correction is not one of my moments. Um. So the next one for me on my list is uh, I wrote a story about Anthony Davis. Uh, maybe this was in December that the story ran. I don't even remember. I think the interview was in November. But the interview for that story was something that was sort of set up 
through his agency and Foot Locker. And it's one of these interviews where you're going to talk about something very specific. We actually talked about his signature shoe. It was part of a, a sneaker uh, blitz promotional kind of thing we were doing at the at the athletic where everybody was writing sneaker stories in, in the NBA and how, you know, uh, players connections to them, uh, guys who collected them, guys who were in the business of them, whatever. And mine was about Anthony Davis's lack of, of having a signature shoe. But the, the reason that stands out is really the interview. Um, it falls in line a little bit with the whole first year in L.A. thing as well, because they didn't interview him in a trailer, like on his trailer on a commercial set. Um, but it was it stands out to me for two reasons. One, as you know, Bill, we don't get to spend a lot of time with LeBron James or Anthony Davis just kind of sitting one on one and having a conversation. And so this was 15 minutes where we were focused on shoes, but we talked a lot about his childhood uh, that that veered into his business aspirations and wanting a shoe. And that kind of stuff is actually interesting to me above and beyond just the basketball stuff. But also, you know, the, the main thing was it was just a chance to spend some time with the player you cover and get to know a little bit about him. He told me a great story about his parents giving him an Xbox that they had kind of scraped and saved to get. And then he traded it for a pair of Jordans and upset them very much. Um, but the second part of that is it was just a surreal thing I'll never forget because it was a commercial shoot for this. People might have remember seeing this. It was like kind of an end of the world themed uh, Foot Locker shoot. It's come back to my mind a lot recently, believe it or not. Um it's like this post-apocalyptic scene. Kyle Kuzma is also in the commercial. But what was fun about this was like I was down in, in downtown Los Angeles where they were shooting it. And there's a, you know, there's a whole room where there's craft services, you know, where everybody on the on the cast and crew of the commercial is getting fed. And there's just like all these zombies milling about, you know, um, in full makeup and they're walking down the streets and nobody notices at all. And it was so that that whole experience was so great. Nobody bats an eye in LA when people are when zombies are walking down the street because this happens daily. Um, where there's camera crews filming stuff like this. That part of it on top of the whole Anthony Davis part, and then also getting a little bit of behind the scenes. I spent about 30 minutes watching him deliver a line and sitting in a director's chair. All that stuff coupled with the fact that I, I did get to get a little bit of insight into one of the Lakers' best players was all all pretty fun. Uh, that's a good one. Um, by the way, I'm just trying to think, like, my list is devoid of LeBron James' performances. Because <laughs> yeah, it, mine too. Because he, and and I, I don't know, like, what to... Which one to single out? Which, I shouldn't say devoid. When we get down there, I've got one. I have, I have, a, I have LeBron on my list, um, yeah. which I think is is necessary. I have a, I have a couple of them actually, um, sort of. But I just, in terms of like on the court, like a, a, a certain triple double. I don't know. I don't know which one I would, uh, which one I would even, which one I'd even pick. Um, but number three for me uh, is on court. Um, I'm going to go with the game against Detroit when the Lakers blocked 20 shots. And and we had the Lakers rim protection this year has been obviously the best in the league. They, they lead the NBA in blocks and they have three legitimately fearsome uh, shot blockers, which is something that, you know, there was a stretch in January where that was something that we talked about a lot, where other teams were really talking about a lot. And there was that game against Detroit where, I mean, I can't remember exactly how the math shook out, but it was something like AD had eight blocks, JaVale had seven and Dwight had five, something like that. Um, and there was this moment in that game where Dwight blocks and Andre Andre Drummond tries to put a move on on Dwight and and you know doesn't get by him so he tries a floater and Dwight just knocks it ten rows into the stands or no it wasn't into the stands it was back into play and as as the offense starts going the other way Dwight turns and does the finger wag to the crowd and and in the locker room um, the next the next game or that night 
um, Anthony Davis said that Dwight needed to get his own move. I enjoyed that very much. Like, Dwight, get, get your own move. But, you know, it's funny because, like, Dwight is not alone on this. Like, that was such a JaVale McGee thing, too, this year. Like, he'd block a shot and then he would turn and celebrate to the crowd. And and Frank Vogel and the people on the bench would be like, get back on offense, JaVale, go! And that, but it's, they're obviously, you know, the best shot blocking team in the NBA statistically. Anthony Davis is probably the defensive player of the year whenever that um, is determined. So, I mean, obviously a huge theme of, of what made the Lakers successful over their 49 and 14 start to the year. Um, and, and that to me, that 20 block game was certainly kind of the image that is seared in my memory. Um, if, you know, if, 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 but there are certainly more and, you know, going back to that Houston game, man, I just have so many Dwight memories. I keep going. Um, that was when Dwight got a technical. Remember that Dwight was you weren't there, but Dwight got a technical on the bench, and the bench became, you know, that was the last road trip before um, January twenty sixth. The, the, the that was the beginning of the road trip that ended with Philly's um, with with LeBron passing Kobe in Philly, and then. And then obviously um, Kobe passing the next day, um, which by the way, yeah, that's another thing. It's not on my list because I wasn't there. Similar to you, I was not at the Philly game when LeBron passed Kobe, so that's not on my list. Even though that's obviously one of the top moments of the year. Uh, but anyway, um, twenty blocks in a game against Detroit. Yeah, that's a good one. I, I have a game as well, and it's it's. Um, I hate to go back to back on Anthony Davis, but I do feel like uh, Anthony Davis is part of the reason I'm here, um, and so I, I'm 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 focused on AD quite a lot, you haven't covered him before and whatnot. And so for me, um, the experience, the, the whole experience for me of going to New Orleans um, and writing about Anthony Davis's return, but also the actual moment being in the building, um, so many, uh, you know, sort of venomous Pelicans fans upset with the circumstances, reasonably upset with the circumstances of Anthony Davis's departure, but also so many Lakers fans. It was a great example of the way Laker fans travel um, that whole night. Uh, that experience, he had 41 points that night. Um, just being in the building, having been there for a lot of the buildup. Um, you know, as I said, you, you travel more than I do, but it was also um, a rare trip. This is kind of a personal touch. It was nice that you and I were on the road together, which we don't get to do all that often. And so experiencing that game at the same time, um, spending a couple of days in New Orleans, spending a night out after the game in New Orleans at one of the best bars in the NBA. Thank you, experience. That's going to be a podcast before uh, before, <laughs> before, before uh before, uh, before, before things get back to normal, best best bars yeah. in the NBA, absolutely. But but that that night, um, the 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 whole of the night, but also just uh, Anthony Davis having forty one points um, in his first game back, I believe the NBA record for first game against your former team, um, and and the way the Lakers fed him that that night to the to the detriment, I think of their offense. Um, but to sort of make a point that he was one of them, that he was one of theirs and that the game meant something to him. And so it meant something to them. I think that um, a lot of these things we've talked about are emblematic of bigger things. I think there have been a lot of things this year that really show have shown us. I, I never know whether to talk about these things in the past tense or not, but because um, we don't know there may be a season or there may not. But but the 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 way those guys were close and you can fake that in the locker room. But I, I, I don't think that these guys have been. And I think that that night was uh uh, um, one of those great examples of it. So my last two are going to be a little bit uh, of the same theme. Uh, not not, not uh, uh, they they are of the same theme. Not not to yours, but they share a theme. Um, number two for me is that that game against Houston that the Lakers lost uh, when when Houston went small and LeBron James had a breakaway dunk in the open court 
and he goes up and does a um and does does a reverse. There are two elements of that of that dunk that to me are eerie, cool, and I will remember fondly is not the right word, but just in terms of significance to the season and to this team. One, there was the incredible photo taken by Andy Bernstein, the Hall of Fame photographer, who also is the team photographer for the Lakers, Clippers, and LA Kings. LeBron is suspended in midair, ball cocked, ready, ready, to, ready to finish the dunk. It's framed perfectly. You know, it got a lot of credit online as being one of the best photos in NBA history. But to take it a, a, a step further was the video the Lakers put out of LeBron doing that dunk and then it being spliced side by side with a dunk of Kobe Bryant's 15 years earlier or 18 years earlier, whatever it had been. This was a couple of weeks after Kobe had died. You know, we were all seeing Kobe things that reminded us of Kobe in our everyday lives. But I just have to give such a huge shout out to Josh Williams from the Lakers uh, digital team who, you know, was on Reddit the night after that game and saw somebody on Reddit had said that that LeBron dunk had reminded them of of a Kobe dunk from his career. And Josh went back into the archives and found the dunk where that was most the case. And it was eerie the way the play developed, the way it, everything about the dunk was almost identical and here you had LeBron James, who really took the mantle of Lakers superstardom from Kobe Bryant two years ago when he got here, essentially paying unintentional homage. And listen, LeBron said it was unintentional. He wasn't trying to honor Kobe with the dunk. In fact, he said after the fact that he felt like Kobe had come down from heaven and put himself in his body for that dunk. And to me, you know, that was one of the coolest things that's happened really ever, you know, kind of in in, in my world. You know, and, and again, like I wrote a whole story about how there are going to be these coincidences or you're going to see these reminders of somebody who's passed away if you're looking for them because if you're thinking about somebody or you're grieving that's where your mind is and you're going to you're going to see all kinds of coincidences and similarities and things like that um but but the way that came together and the and the um kind of the impact that video had that photo had um you know i think it, it, it i think in some ways it helped people heal and you know, it just it just really it really struck a chord with me, and something I'll always remember. Yeah. So for my list, I, I'm gonna I'll jump into my number two here as we kind of go through here, and I I wanted to you couldn't make this list without Kobe on it. Um, it's weird to say you know we sort of said we're gonna talk about the top moments or favorite moments or whatever. Kobe doesn't you know it is a top moment of this season in a in a weird way. Um, obviously not the kind of thing. It's not as much fun. It's not uh, traditionally the kind of thing you put on a, a top list. But if you're going to talk about this season, you can't not talk about Kobe. I wanted to include one that sort of encapsulated the experience of it to me. And then I didn't put it at number one. I have it at number two as kind of a way to end this thing on a little bit cheerier note, I guess. So for me, um, the one I chose was uh, LeBron speaking before the Portland game, um, the first game back after Kobe Bryant. And there were so many, so many options. I mean, the the – just some of the people I met and some of the stories that I heard and, and wrote um, on the first day and in the couple of days after from people about the impact of Kobe. I feel like we've talked about those things a lot. Um, we've talked about all these things a lot. But the LeBron speech, not only the the sort of discarding of what he had written and, and kind of going out there just to talk, um, but also just the the how well he handled that whole experience. Um, and I think at a time when people really needed him to, uh, that's an occasion or an example of LeBron rising to an occasion that isn't like making a big shot or, or you know, the right basketball decision or whatever. I just thought he was he was great in that moment in a time when people really, really needed somebody to be great. Um, the Lakers lost that game and Damian Lillard also rose to the occasion that night. 
Uh, and that whole night is a very memorable night looking back on the season. But I, I just that moment for LeBron um, was was the the one that was in my top five. Just taking the mic and and doing what he did. Yeah, you know it's interesting because you can. Um, it's hard. It's hard not to. Uh, it felt like it felt like that was kind of the night that because you can you can overstate this or you can make too big of a thing out of it or try to be too grandiose, I guess. But like I I felt like that was kind of the night where LeBron really really became a Laker. You know, it's been said elsewhere. You know, where it's like he really kind of cut to the heart of like, you know, of Lakers fans where, you know, if there was any kind of disconnect between Lakers fans and, and LeBron James, I think that went away uh, that day um, because he really took, I think, the grief of Lakers fans and, and and put it all on his shoulders and 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 like you said, rose to the occasion. So uh, that's also on my list. Is it am I doing number one now? Am I, am I at number one? Yeah, Is it, I think you're at number one. So, I mean, I, I've only got one left, so. I'm not sure what happened. You went, you went, I went, you went, you went. But if this is my number one, then what? Uh, whatever, it doesn't matter. Um, I don't know. I'm so confused. I, maybe I did six. Maybe I've only done, I don't know. Well, okay. So I had I had the pregame ceremony before that game also at the top of my list. I think it's just worth appreciating that 30-minute that window kind of in totality. Obviously, LeBron's speech was, was incredible. Um, but you had Usher singing Amazing Grace and obviously the... The, the principal cellist of the LA Philharmonic playing Hallelujah over just some incredible video work. Uh, again, shout out Josh Williams from the Lakers, by the way, on at least some of that those videos. Um, so, I mean, in totality, that that was you know an emotional but just beautifully done uh, presentation for me. The memory, and I've I've shared this on Twitter, but for me, the memory that will stick with me is arriving at Staples Center really early, like much earlier than you would for a normal game. I think I got there at two thirty, maybe. And walking into the arena bowl um, and not recognizing what was happening until, like, I saw somebody walk out to center court and Usher started singing Amazing Grace. It was a sound check. And there might have been 100 people in, in the bowl. I mean, you know, in, in, when you're in space that large, it's easy to underestimate. But there were not very many people on the court. I was with Sam Amick, our colleague, uh, uh, at The Athletic. He was, you know, he and I had gone together and we walked into the arena and it was just this incredibly sorrowful, but very peaceful and beautiful, you know, rendition. Six minutes, the same one everybody heard, you know, four hours later. But to see it in an empty space um, like that was just chilling and an experience like I'll never I'll never forget. So for me, I mean, that probably was the ultimate moment of, of, of this season, if you can, if you can call it that. And you, maybe, maybe it's a disservice to, you know, LeBron and AD and Frank Vogel and the rest of the team for, you know, these moments that didn't really involve them or, you know, were not about what they achieved on the court um, to, to kind of over, you know, to, to, to be at the top of the list. But um, ultimately it all kind of, it all kind of fits together in the patchwork of, of the season. Um, you know, the Lakers have been, ridiculous this year like i said 49 wins 49 and 14 number one in the west you know very much on their way to a deep playoff run um but there's also been a lot of um a lot of tragedy and uh, and like potential distraction off the court this year where you start with yeah. china tumult it's, it's been t- a tumult for sure in the beginning china um kobe obviously coronavirus now um you know it's been an incredibly difficult season to navigate and the lakers i think deserve all kinds of credit for the way they handled it and then continued to perform uh, in a basketball sense. So 
Anyhow, I guess that's my list, and, and you have one more somehow because we're, we can't because we can't count to five somehow. But I, I'd like to hear it. I might have combined two or said I don't know what I did. But the thing I you know I thought so much about this in the same way that you did. I, I thought uh, remarkably actually because we specifically wanted to keep these lists separate from each other so we'd be revealing them as we did this. But um, I did want to leave on a basketball note uh, for all the reasons that you said because uh, this has been an incredible year and there's been so much. Uh, so much away from the court that's been distracting, but there's been so much really brilliant basketball on it as well. And to me, the, the thing that's going to, if this is over, and it might be, uh, we don't know if, if there's going to be basketball. We don't want to dwell on that again, but we don't know. Um, but if this is over, I think a moment that will really stick with me is fourth quarter against the Clippers. Uh, game is essentially over, but LeBron James really ices it. He drives, he gets fouled, he makes the shot. And he reveals to us in that moment what we've all known all year, which is that these Clipper games were very important because he celebrated it like it was a, an enormous thing. He's pounding his chest. He's motioning to the crowd. At some point later, there will be a uh, invisible crown placed on his head. But there's also a an angle of that shot of that basket where he scores and gets fouled, where you see Anthony Davis, who's off the floor because of foul trouble and is kind of doing an offense-defense thing. He's at the, he's at the scorer's table celebrating. Um that weekend, it was really a coming together, I think, of all the things the Lakers have tried to be this season. They were great against the Bucs and the Clippers. They beat the other two best teams. Um, and as we've talked about before, you know, our, our, our ESPN colleague, Dave McMiniman, wrote about this as the Lakers sort of establishing themselves as the favorite. Maybe they did, maybe they didn't. I don't think Vegas changed its mind about Milwaukee being the, the favorite to win the title. Um, but that weekend, um, I, I think, summed up in that moment, that last LeBron basket, uh, is is a lingering thing for me. If the season ends, if we don't have a, any more season, what I'm going to remember this for the most, obviously, is the season that was cut short by coronavirus and for Kobe Bryant and for all those other things. Um, but if there's a basketball image that I'll take with me um, through whatever regular season there is, through whatever the playoffs there are, or through the offseason, if this is it, is is kind of that moment, that last stretch against the Clippers. Yeah, good one. And I mean, there's there really have been just so many like enjoyable moments this year that you can um, just pick out as being emblematic of, of how much fun this team was having, you know, whether it's Alex Caruso emerging as a, um, you know, as a, as, as, as this cult hero who gets MVP chance every time he checks into the game, um, Dwight Howard showing up to the arena, wearing a Caruso shirt. That's Caruso. Um, you know, they're just, you know, JaVale, um, can Tavius Caldwell Pope becoming, um, this really valuable bench player after his ups and downs over the first two years he was here. Um, you know, they're just, there, there've been, there've been so many things that made this feel like a special season. And, and like you said, you know, regardless of whether it comes back and we're obviously all hoping that, that the season is salvaged in some way, it has nonetheless been a special season on the court. The Lakers have achieved something and, you know, but I mean, obviously it will be a disappointment if they don't have a chance to, to win a championship or at least take it, get to test that, test themselves in, on that, on that stage. But it's been, a, it's been a fast, it's been a fascinating uh, ride, obviously. And it continues to be, um, and we don't know how different the world will look when we talk to you guys next week, but we, we will talk to you next week because we are going to keep the podcast going. We're going to keep bringing you episodes of basketball reasons. I know our friends, Brian and Andy Kamenetsky are going to keep the, um, the magic hour happening. It's all the forum club, the athletics podcast network, wanting to bring you um, insight on the Lakers perspectives, memories, uh, you know, whatever, whatever it is, um, you know, obviously there's still a lot to unpack from the season. 
and a lot of information that's going to be coming at us. So um, we will still see you every Thursday. Brett, any parting thoughts uh, before we sign off for one more week? Uh, I miss basketball and I miss people. Um, <laughs> that's about all I got. Well, you know, you, you take it for granted, but I um, I look forward to be, being able to do one of these podcasts in the same room, Brett. I look forward to being back at the press room at Staples Center uh, with you and our other colleagues and um, our rivals uh, in, in, the, in the sports journalism world um, and, and Laker fans. I mean, you know, night after night, you get accustomed to being, you know, being able to experience NBA basketball with, you know, 19,000 people and and it is um it is something i miss as well so hopefully we get back to that um you know relatively soon when it's safe um but like i said in the meantime we'll keep talking we'll, we'll keep you guys posted here we'll keep writing at the athletic by the way um again if you're listening you may already subscribe but please tell your friends that that the athletic is now free for 90 days if you if you have been thinking about getting a subscription to the athletic, but the the, the price or the the idea of paying for your sports coverage um, was a barrier to entry, um, sign up now. You get ninety free days um, to enjoy all of, all of our work that ha- that is is still coming. Things that you've missed over over you know the the last months and years, um, all available to you for three months to help everyone get through this time. Um, I think you'll like it. I think you'll think it's uh, a a worthwhile investment uh, maybe once those 90 days are up. But if not, um, come be a part of uh, our community for a few months um, too. So um, thank you everyone for your support. Please keep reading and supporting The Athletic. I know Brett, myself, our colleagues throughout the company are all working hard to continue to bring you um, great sports stories that are going to help everybody get through this time. Um, Thanks to our producers, by the way, Mike Smeltz and Andrew Schlecht, uh, trainee, Andrew Schlecht uh, for uh, for all their hard work uh, bringing everyone podcasts as well. It's um, it's something we're all going to get through together. So thank you for listening to Basketball Reasons and the Forum Club and supporting the Athletic.